One of the best things I ever did for myself was to register for the DNA surprise retreat last year. It was shortly after I found out about my DNA surprise and my ethnicity shift. The retreat was a place of community and friendship and understanding and learning that I was not alone. I learned skills to manage the shock and I was learning to begin to heal. I was so surprised that many people were going through the very same thing or similar circumstances. I was surprised by the empathy and the care that I received. I was surprised in a lot of other good ways. Is there any way you can go to the retreat this year? I can highly recommend it in every way. Let your story begin. Let your healing begin. Whether you just uncovered your DNA surprise or you've been on this journey for a while, the DNA Surprise Retreat is for you. Registration is open now. Join us from September 19th through the 22nd, 2024, just outside of Phoenix, Arizona. You can reserve your space at dnasurpriseretreat.com. I'll see you there. And you know, I've, I've talked about this with friends, with siblings, therapists, everybody. It's not my job, right? I can't say it for it. It's not my thing. I get that. I do. But I also don't like having these weird conversations and walking on eggshells all the time. Like they, they were here not that long ago. And we generally, like when everybody's together, it's fine. We don't have to worry about it. But inevitably, the three of us end up getting left for like 20 minutes or half an hour. And it's, it's so painful, Alexis. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah. It, yeah. it really sucks. Those awkward moments. It yeah. really sucks. Welcome to DNA Surprises, a podcast that delves into the world of unexpected DNA discoveries. I'm your host, Alexis Auerselt. In July 2021, my life took a surprising turn when I found out that I'm an NPE, a person who has experienced a non-paternal event. In other words, my biological father isn't who I thought he was. Join me as we explore the stories of NPEs, adoptees, and donor-conceived people and their families. Get ready to unravel the astonishing journeys that begin with a simple DNA test. This is DNA Surprises. DNA Tests, NPE, Donor Conception, Politics. In this week's episode of DNA Surprises, I'm joined by Eric, who learned that he was donor-conceived after taking a 23andMe test. He shares why he decided to take the test, why he waited three years before doing anything with his surprising results, and how his discovery impacted his relationship with his parents. He also shares how he is connected with his newfound siblings and the larger DCP community. Towards the end of the episode, Eric provides us with a quick history lesson on the origins of donor conception, so be sure to listen. Thank you, Eric, for sharing your story. My name is Eric Silva Brenneman. I'm 43 years old in the Twin Cities, Minnesota. Where to begin? Well, let's just hit it from there, from the DNA surprise, then I suppose we can fill in some some backstory. It'll be like doing a movie, right? We'll do the We'll, we'll jump in. People have to figure out where they're at in the plot, and then we can do like the backstory. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> so I'm a multi-ethnic individual, identify as BIPOC. My, my mother is from the amazing and wonderful country of Brazil, which means that she's a mestizo woman. 
of European, Indigenous, and African ancestry. My dad, birth certificate dad, is European settler, typical Midwestern guy. The story there in terms of his, that narrative on that side is that they were Swiss, German, as well as Alsacian, which is, you know, depending on what war was happening, sometimes France and sometimes Germany. And they, they actually had really, really well documented genealogy, like to the point where I have a photocopy of the on the on the French side. I think it was the first person that immigrated in like early 1800s. So they kept everything. And the Brenneman side were a Mennonite family back in like the 18th century that as Mennonites, they they were pacifists. And if you know your European history, everybody was beating the crap out of everybody at that point. And they were like, we don't want to do this. <laughs> and so consequently, they were booted as exiles. So they started to move around from what is now like that Swiss German area and eventually made their way to Holland. Met a guy named Penn, as in Pennsylvania. And that's how that story happened. Now, okay. I say all this with great detail. Mm-hmm. <laughs> setting it up that none of it's actually connected to me is where we're right. going. <laughs> right, right. But they did a hell of a job like in terms of keeping that documentation. I will give them credit. So in 2017, I, you know, I, I have a wife, I have kids, and I've always wanted to g- get into more of understanding more of what the, the backgrounds and the actual meaning of what's behind the nationality, right? Because if you say you're Brazilian, if you say you're American, what does that actually mean, right? There's more depth there than just the nationality. And if we break that down even more in terms of history and politics and colonialism, we can go in a lot of other directions, but I know you have a time limit here. So, but the point is though, I wanted to basically have a better idea of, you know, what is that Africanness? What is that indigeneity? And so my amazing wife and partner, bought me a, a 23andMe Christmas 2017. We were in Atlanta, Georgia at my cousin's place. Absolutely the key point here that I've mentioned before, and I'll say again, my parents were in the room when it happened. They were present along with all our, a bunch of their family. Saw me open the gift. Cool. This will be fun. I'll spit in the tube, send it out, which I did. Once again, I repeat, my parents were in the room. Said nothing. Said nothing. Okay. Did the thing, and you know how it is. It takes like yeah, three months or whatever. So it was like March ish of of 2018 when the results came back. And what was initially really cool, and and we should say too for for those that that do have African or Indigenous ancestry, things have been getting a little bit better on these tests. But <laughs> you can even see the Euro centrism within <laughs> these tests yes. of, in terms of the specificity, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. so for example, I'll just use me as an example. So I got my, my African, West African stuff, which is really cool. And it's not a lot. I should be clear. It's like, you know, like 10% combined, with, but it's still 10% that's very dear to me. And, and it combines all of what is now the Republic of Congo with Angola which is fucking huge. Like that is a yeah. big landmass. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It's like, yes. okay, somewhere between this enormous land, where are my ancestors? Right. Yeah. And then on the European side, it's like, okay, we're going to zero in to Holland. Here's the state. Here's the county. Here's the village. This is probably the address 
You know what I'm saying? It's like it's right to the thing. <laughs> that was fun. It, it was cool to see that and and to get a little bit more on the indigenous side. I actually had it flipped in my head, Alexis. I thought I was more native Brazilian than African. It was the opposite. So that was kind of cool to see. Mm, okay. Um, and the other one that was hitting. So again, I mentioned the French, German, and Swiss. None of that was on there. However, with that historical narrative that was so well detailed. Holland was a part of the story. It just was like the jumping off point of that family's leaving and immigrating to the United States to Pennsylvania with Mr. Penn guy. So I saw the Dutch hit and it hit hard. It hit like, you know, over a third, like 40 something percent, 45, something like that. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know how it is. So, Are you, trying- so you attributed, yeah, because you try to make it make sense. So you 100%. thought, okay, Dutch, that's my dad. That's my 100%. dad's side right there. Okay. 100%. It, because, it, because it conveniently fit the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you've mm-hmm. heard this before. You, Our- make it, you make it make sense. Exactly. Brains are silly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. And, and kind of left it at that for a little while, you know, got, got what I needed and was done. And then... It didn't take long, like a matter of days, really. The inbox started popping, right? People are contacting me. What's this all about? Interesting. And, you know, you've heard this story before. So, obviously, I'm I'm curious who's messaging me. I don't recognize any of these names. Who are these people? And to the person's credit, didn't, didn't drop everything all at once, right? Very respectful. Okay. But she came at it and was just like, oh, hey, I see, I see we're related. Do you, you have any idea? how or why kind of a thing I'm like no I, I don't know who you are <laughs> how, how are we possibly related and this of course then spirals into learning that she is my half sister does she disclose it to you she, did. she says she did. we are related okay and did she know that she was donor conceived she did okay yep all right and I know you haven't gotten to that part yet but That's I'm okay. just curious okay no, so we're, we're into so it she disclosed so, so she tells you we yep. are siblings because. Yep. yep. And again, like it, it was nice of her not to just dump it all on me, on me immediately to at least slowly kind of work to it. But having said that by like the second message, it was very much like, you know, drowning in the ocean. <laughs> it was okay. just a lot. All of it. What did you think? How are you feeling when you started putting these pieces together? I, I, oof out of it completely disassociated i think is probably the big word just nothing made sense nothing made sense outside of myself it was i was numb i was really numb yeah. and I, I needed some time and I, I was trying to be cool and and still interact with her but i'm also just like you know i <laughs> i need a day or two what did she share about herself with you she let me you know a little bit about her background where she was born what she knew of the process and the situation, how many of us there are that we know of. I had hit with, connected with three others, so a total of four at that moment. And, you know, fast forwarding, I'm jumping through time a little bit, but they had already established a group, which obviously I'm now a part of. So so her her message to you said, I'm donor conceived. Mm -hmm. We are siblings. Yep. And there are others. Okay. Correct. So she, she within the group, and, and at this point, this is 2018, you know, the numbers are still moving up and we're still putting things together. But of the however many there were at that time, she was designated to be kind of the ambassador, as it were. Okay. Okay. 
And so, you know, I, I, I'm lucky that I have a amazing wife and partner and, and family to support me. And, but it, it got to the point where I, you know, I talked to her and learned more information and I'm, I'm still very much like one foot in one world, one foot in the other. Like I, I it's not quite denial, but it doesn't still make sense to me that, that my parents would keep something like this from me that would lie to me in this kind of a way. You know what I'm saying? And I ended up basically, <laughs> I kind of shut down. Alexis is what happened. Yeah. Did you, did you reach out to your parents? Well, first I took three years. Three years to took confront three years. your parents. Cause I mean, I'm a parent, like I got life. I'm a musician. I have all these other things. And I'm just like, I don't know how to fit this in. I felt super isolated and alone at that moment. You know, I, I, I didn't know about any of the groups. I didn't know about any of the social media stuff at that point. I'm just like, this, this just ain't it. I can't, I can't do this right now. So, so did you continue talking to your sister or anything? Or were you just like completely just no, shut that part off? A, a little bit, a little bit, but not a lot. Because I knew the more that I ruminated and the more that I was in on it, like it was, you know, it, it, it creeps into life and, and, and starts to kind of become an obsession of, of sorts, you know? Okay. Wow. Three, Three years. years. That is yes. remarkable. So you just tried not to think about it, like, and just moved on with your life. What changed after three years? So 20, let's see. So we get to like 2020, 2021 is kind of where everything kind of, kind of pops. And, you know, I talked with this with like my therapist and even professors now too. And it's like, I got hit by three shocks kind of all at the same time. And, and one of my professors is like, any one of those things would be more than enough reason to be seeking therapy and working on things. But they all just like, you know, I, I have some martial arts and fighting experience. So I, I parallel it. The metaphor would be like, I got a jab across and an uppercut, like all together. And I'm just like on the ground, not on where I'm at. So yeah. those, those three things were obviously the pandemic hitting in 2020 and the isolation. I'm a pretty extroverted social guy. And I, I kind of prepped myself for a few months and I was not prepared for year, two years plus, whatever it was. And it really, really messed with my, with my head, with my psyche in a lot of ways. Still, I'm getting close to back to where I once was, but I'm, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm a hundred percent like it. Yeah. It fucked me pretty good. It messed mm -hmm. me up. And then we had a little thing here in the twin cities called the Minneapolis uprising. I don't know if you <laughs> remember that, but after Mr. George Floyd's lynching by MPD, which happened it's within biking distance of where I live. It's very close mm -hmm. in my neighborhood, essentially extended neighborhood. And so we were out and we were, you know, being difficult, I suppose, for state authorities and state actors, but we were also doing what needed to be done in that moment. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't necessarily the stress of being out. Like I'm, I'm a pretty politically engaged and politically uh, minded activist type individual. Brad left politics for a long, long time. Like this is not my first rodeo, to say the least. But I think I mentioned that just because people think, oh, yeah, it was the stress of the lockdowns and, and, and all the violence from protesters. And it's like, no, I had nothing to do with that. It was occupation, Alexis. Mm. I, had, I had Humvees rolling down my street. I had a Black Hawk helicopter on top of my house. I'm trying to put my children to sleep. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. That 
is what was stressing me out. And I knew that in the back of my head, obviously I knew, you know, the army wasn't going to like bomb our house, but that's right. hard to explain to kids. And it's hard to like, not think about as well that, you know, yes, it's not Gaza. Yes. It's not Northern Syria, but we were getting mm -hmm. messages of solidarity from a lot of those places that are under occupation at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. We're going to we're getting a taste of it. You know, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And so that was stressful and that was kind of messing with me too. So that's one, that's two. And then, so that was kind of the breaking point where I was like, I need to talk to somebody. And so I, I, I found a therapist and we started, we're just working through these two things where I kind of just mentioned kind of off the cuff without even thinking much about it, about this DNA thing. <laughs> and she was very astute. Very astute. It's just like, wait, wait, let's go back yeah, to that. Kind of, kind of a big deal. <laughs> kind yeah. of a big deal. And it quickly became the focus. So that's one, two, three. When you started really unpacking what the DNA surprise meant for you, what did you discover? What were kind of the first things that happened for you once you started well, looking at that? Yeah. You know, she asked a really good question and she said, I mean, I don't want you to answer this right away. It took a few sessions, but she's like, I want you to think about, think about, is this something that you can live with just letting go and not knowing? And if the answer is yes, that's great. We'll move on. But if the answer is no, we still have a lot of work to do. <laughs> you know I really saying? like that though, because she let you define it for yourself did. as opposed to telling you, wait she a did. second, this is huge because for some it's not right. Some people yeah. are like, yeah, okay. And they move on. Yep. But so I'm assuming you decided this was something. Yeah. And I mean, I think about that as well. Like eventually when I'm doing my own practice, like it, it was a good approach and something I might bring in as well. And I, I think it was an, at least one or two more before I even came with a definitive answer. Cause I was still like, I don't know, like what, what's this going to do? You know, this is, this is, I'm holding a grenade basically. What's going to happen yeah. here? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're right. Well, I, I wanted clarity. I wanted answers. I want to know what was going on. And she's like, okay, great. Well, let's get to work. Okay. <laughs> um, and she was really instrumental in helping me you know, go through different scenarios with my parents. Cause that's what you already kind of alluded to it. That was like the big thing that hasn't happened yet. Or at that point hadn't happened yet. How are we going to approach them? Talk to them. And she got me really well prepared. I will say it was tough. This was, I'm fast forwarding now to 2021. It was summer. I was picking my grapes. Remember we were harvesting. So yeah, August or something, 2021. Hardest conversation I think I've ever had with anyone in general. Can you, can you take us through that? How did that go? Yeah. You know, I, we, t we timed it. We, again, my amazing partner, we worked it out where she's like, oh, gotta go get some groceries. Bye. <laughs> yeah. The kids and left out. Some space. Yeah. yeah. So I just let them know, like they, they obviously knew that I had taken the test because as I mentioned, they were in the room. And so I kind of told them, this is what happened. I met this person. She says this. Can we get a little clarity here? Right. Can, can you at least confirm or <laughs> deny is, is going to be a keyword in a bit, but mm. yeah, I was just trying to get some information, right? Like, what does this mean? And actually there was, there was silence and my dad looks, he turns and looks and he gives my mom this look like, you know, the jigs up basically mm. didn't say a word, didn't have to. 
Like I knew her there. I was like, okay, there's that's confirmation. Yeah. That's confirmation. And what did they say? Did your dad take the lead? Did your mom yes. speak up? Yes. My, my, my dad was, you know, he was obviously sad and hurt and confirmed it. And he actually showed, you know, some, some baseline remorse, which was, which was nice. He's like, I thought many times about telling you, wanted to tell you. And then he's like, yeah, I had fertility issues. The swimmers weren't swimming as well. So we went, went to a place and did the thing. And my mom at this point was, she was just very stoic and she wasn't, she wasn't like fighting what was being said, but she was having a really hard time and, and kept saying, Oh, I just forgot. I forgot. I kept, I forgot. <laughs> oh, like she just forgot that they had she done that. And in her mind, yep, you were your father's biological son and just forgot, just forgot. Just forgot. Okay. And then it became the kind of this push pull between with her, especially of giving me little bits and pieces of the truth that actually happened, but then immediately pulling back and denying, well, how, mm. can you trust, can you, can you even trust this thing? What, what, what is, what are these, these tests? They're not real. Da, 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 da. They're not real. So that, that'll become a ongoing theme. It was, yeah. it was, it was ridiculous because I'm just like, well, you can't just say that, yes, this happened and then start to pull back. <laughs> it's not how this works. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm curious what, what the thought, I mean, I'm, I assume it, there's some shame. Oh, and, massive shame. Yeah. Yeah. And denial is, is very strong. And yep. I don't know your story, but I know in some cases with donor conception, they would mix the sperm. And so there was some plausible deniability at some point. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure, like, I, I haven't even got that much out of them, up, even up until yeah. present, whether it was that or it was like the direct injection, as it were. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure I will ever get that. So who knows, but it, be, it became, became very difficult specifically with my mom over, over mm -hmm. time because she really didn't want to talk about this anymore. And then it became a thing of, we have to tell my, my race sister, I, I have a sister. Well, two things there, a, we got to tell her and then B like, what the hell is, is she also DCP or what? Yeah. And my dad was actually really quick to respond. No, she's not. It's like, oh, really? And is she older or younger than you? She's younger. She's younger. Okay. So for whatever reason, you know, the swimmer started swimming again. Mm. And, and there she is. It's like, okay, that's fine. That's, that is what it is. But she still deserves to know. Right? We can't, we can't just hold this. Right. It's my the truth mom, about your family immediately shut it down alexis she's like absolutely not I'm not mm. telling her okay why that was my next question why yep. why not yep doesn't need to know just, you know it's like wow but very very on the attack and very you know we, we talk about narratives right and i think there's there's a lot to be said especially in her case and I'm, this, this is speculation to be clear to you and the listeners but we're dealing with an, a brown immigrant woman that came to this country in the 60s. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot there that she hasn't even directly confronted and worked through, tied to all of this as well. There's lots of layers. 
and I, it, I, I don't even try to even attempt <laughs> to psychoanalyze my mom because that would just be an absolute nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> but deep, there's a lot of deep stuff there to, to be said. Mm-hmm. Not not mm-hmm. just even having have gone through this process as an immigrant, but then the other other layers of race and uh, everything. So it it, it kind of was left there just kind of like okay this did happen thank you for the bare minimum confirmation and not really any kind of a apology uh Mm -hmm. my dad like i said gave a somewhat of apology but you know i i have a have a teenager and sometimes the the teen apology is a thing you know what i'm saying and like when i when i listen to with my mom like kind of apologized to me is like my teenager does a better teen apology than whatever that thing was <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you took it that way or mm-hmm. yeah the non-apology 100 yeah. so did you decide to tell your sister anyway or well, two things happened from this thing from this this meeting right number one was i immediately like the following day or a couple of days after they left i got in touch with the one sister that had reached out to me i was just like let me in the group let's go i want to meet everybody and so there i was so now, although I was one of the originals from 2018, because I had my sabbatical of three years, yeah. <laughs> we talked yeah, about your processing time. Correct. Yeah. A bunch of people like came in, so I was actually one of the newbies at that point in 2021, actually getting into it. So I was in in our little merry band of pirates, or however you want to call it. We we are the, we are the magnificent seven siblings. Okay. I would have been number seven at that point. We knew there were at the very least 11, including my, if you include my raised sister, it'd be a total, grand total of 12, or I would have been the 12th. So 11 okay. plus me. And then that includes two of gamete profiteer donor guys, raised kids as well. So, you know, that all comes from just, hanging and learning and and we, and we start flowing right we start trying to build relationships and talk to one another and we do our little chat groups and it's cool it's weird it's it's you know it's strange to be like connecting with your siblings in your late 30s and 40s and whatever but you know that's the way the world is right now especially with all with, with dna surprises Right. <laughs> this, exactly. this, is, this is how exactly. it works. We're, we're, we're going to throw the we're going to throw the uh, the slogan in there, <laughs> the <laughs> trademark. So then the other thing, number two, then was what to do about my sister, my raised sister, right? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tell her, I really did. And we had a conversation because I want to I wanted to tell my children as well at this point because because they see me disappear and I go on these like chat groups with all the new crew, the new siblings. And just like, what the hell is dad doing? Why, why, who's he talking to? What's going on? They have a right to know. I should tell them. Mm-hmm. My, my wife and I, we talked about how we want to do this. And, and we came to kind of came to the conclusion that like, we can't tell the kids until my other, my race sister knows, because if we do that, what are we doing? We're perpetuating more generational trauma and giving them another fucking secret. Right. From their chia. We can't do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So had to put that on the back burner for a while but then i had to like start to pressure my parents to like get it together to do something and once again it fell on my dad who who again to his credit was being cool and i think 
three, maybe four months past. I think it was around like Thanksgiving holiday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, because they were together. And then he dropped it and let her know. And she called me. It was very supportive. She was just weirded out by the whole thing. It kind of felt bad for both sides. You know, she was just like, this is, I feel bad for you. I feel bad for them. All right. That's fair. I mean, it's a lot. I understand. But at least it was out there. So, you know, again, props to my dad. So literally like that, that same day, like I got off that call. Dinner was set, sat down, told the kids at dinner. <laughs> and what was their reaction? Two uh, different reactions. Like the youngest thought it was great. She's just like, so I get like massive Christmas presents at this point, right? From all these people. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's a good, good way to look at it, but I, I cannot confirm that. <laughs> sure. She has gotten some, I will say that. The oldest was a little bit trickier because, because, you know, he's, he's at that point, he was a preteen. And he's got a much more established identity and he was, he was super getting into his German language and German roots, mm. you know, very good in the German language. And he still has that through my, through my wife's side, but he, you know, part of his narrative is that he got it from both sides and now that's not the case all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it was kind so of it shook bummed. him too. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of bummed, but I was like, I told him, I was like, you know, this doesn't have to change your, your pursuit. This is, this is one of your passions. This is like, absolutely keep, keep up with the language. And he has, and he's great at it. We're, we're a multilingual, multilingual family. Anyway, Portuguese, Spanish, English. I speak a little Japanese, Guarani, Italian, it is French. It's, it's just, you know, tower That's of Babel awesome. over here. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my German isn't great. Like I, I can read it and kind of work through it, but man, he crushes. And so I didn't want him to lose that. Yeah. And I think that's important to note the effects that these DNA surprises have are beyond the person, the NPE, the DCP, the LDA who experiences it. Yep. It's also the children, children and their children and so on and spouses and partners and everyone. You referenced the what some people refer to as their donor as the gamete Profiter? Is that what how you refer to him as? <laughs> Profiteer, yeah, yeah. Profiteer, yeah. So I'm <laughs> curious about that. that. Yeah. What is what is or is there a relationship between you and your genetic biological father? It's zero. Zero. Absolutely nothing. Okay. Have you identified him? Yeah, we know him. We know who he is. The 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 group had an idea and had done a lot of the work before I showed up, but then we really like put all the pieces together. Once I was in there, we know who he is. You know, I, I had a lot, a lot of pent up anger issues towards him for a solid year. And I, you know, I, I think I've worked through a lot of that. It's still not great. Like I, I, I have issues with him less about doing what he did and more the way he treats his family, because what's happened since we're just moving through, but we have a we have a rebel auntie, basically a chia, who was basically the one that gave us all of our medical information and medical history. Mm. And she's mostly in contact with the, the with the one sister that that first reached out that we started the whole thing with. But you know, after a solid year of all these chats and everything happened, like you know, the the the, the sister reached out. and She's like, she kind of wants to like meet everybody and hang out. Like, all right, let's do it. Bring her in. And so we did. So we, we've had a couple chats now with, with auntie and she's, she's wow. cool. She's absolutely badass. 
Do you all live in the same area or are you We are, out? no. Coast to coast. Coast to coast. Okay. California to Pennsylvania. So, so one of the things we learned, we learned a lot, but I actually have a genetic relative. I have a half-sister, Alexis, that lives here in the Twin Cities metro area that doesn't know that I exist. Mm. That's, that's Profiteer's daughter, one of them. And so on one of our chats, me and my, one of my bros, like, you know, I'm not super hacker guy, neither is he, but you put two of us together, we can do stuff. And mm-hmm. within like 10 or 15 minutes, we had an address. And I, cause I had an idea, you know, like any large city, metro area, these are big places. We probably never run into each other. It's a place where I run. It's a place where I bike. It's not that far away. I could probably be at her house in 15 minutes on my bike. Wow. Yeah. Have you reached out to her? I have not. And I'll tell you why. I think, I think just because having gone through this and, and knowing the the trauma and the mind fuckery that kind of comes from it. I don't want to put that on someone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm 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 happy to be a source of information if she wants to. If she finds me and comes to me, I'll absolutely give her whatever she wants, and you know, see see if we can even build something from there. But but I don't want to show up at her door and like drop that bomb. Nah. Okay. Now, so you mentioned this anger that you had towards the. The profiteer, right. as oh, yeah. you Let call me, him. So, so you said the up. way he treats his family. Yes, thank what, you. What is that? Yeah. Right. So there's two things. Number one, obviously, you've, you've heard this before, too. Like, th- this, we're talking about late 70s into, like, the mid-80s of all these massive, air quotes, donations happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he did it. I think, I think they were, you know, probably told my parents he was a doctor. He was not at that point. He was doing a pharmacy degree. I think, I think he is a medical doctor now, but was not at the time. And, you know, these, these, these guys now, like the whole thing is we need, we need to protect our family. Like, I don't want my wife to know. I don't want my kids to know. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And you've heard it before. And as mm-hmm. have, as have I, as have we all, but now that his sister is a part of our lives and has reached out to us and he knows that. He's cut her out. So he's no longer, okay. see, this is where I'm going. So, so she's no longer part of the family, at least that family. She's disconnected from her nieces, the one of whom, you know, lives here not too far away and, and really can't tell me a lot. Cause she's like, I don't know. I haven't seen her talk to her in three or four years, however long it's been. That's messed up. That's why I mostly have issues. It's like, okay, you're going to be yeah. that kind of a, that kind of an asshole. And how is the relationship going with your siblings? Have you? Yeah, you've met. I I know you've met a sister because I've seen pictures on social media. Yes, I'm so proud of them. I mean, on one hand, it's really hard, right? Because like we talked about, it you're you're getting into what what should have been, you know, decades ago, having having met these people that that you're related to, and so you have to weigh those expectations. It's really important. You can't just expect, you know, we're going to be hanging out every single day not even mention the fact that we're spread out across the entire country. But, you know, I'll, 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 t- I'll tie it into the story because fast forwarding to like March of 2022, I had a really big blow up with my mom over all of this and it just went, it went bad in all the ways you can imagine. And I let them know, the sibling group know. And then when my, my one sister, the, the closest one to me, not that far away, Iowa. We'll just, I can call them by their names. The first one's California. Mm-hmm. This is Iowa. 
Iowa reaches out and she's just like, let's, let's make this real. You know, let's meet, you know, you're hurting. I want to be there for you. I go, okay, right on. And it took a little while, took another month or two, but in May of 2022, you know, I went down, spent the weekend, met, I was, and it ended up being a two for one. So I met her, spent a lot of time with her. And then we have a brother in Nebraska as well that came up. Mm. So I got to meet the two of them. And then, you know, since then, the distance factor is kind of a key thing. Like it's just not that she's not that far. So we can, you know, I get in the car and be in her backyard in like a decent amount of time. So we've seen each other for working on our fifth or sixth time now. Like it's becoming normalized to the point that she came up for my daughter's birthday, her niece in June, which was huge. And I'll never forget that. Like that was an incredibly memorable moment. And she can't have children and for her and it's interesting because you know she'd be the first one to tell you she was even exploring the idea of donor conception too so kind of full circle mm. but for her to just from nowhere also gain a, a niece and a nephew like she takes it very seriously and my kids yeah. love her as i do that's amazing like, so you really phenomenal. have like a, a family relationship like a yep. sibling relationship that's amazing We're really tight and you know i i I would want something similar with the other ones as well. It's just, it's just harder because we got, it, it, it takes planning. You know what I'm saying? You got to plan a flight. You got to plan where you're going to stay, all that thing. It's, it's just, it's, it's a convenience factor where she's not as far and we still need to plan. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't have exactly. anybody in this place, but we just get there faster. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, I mean, I think it's hard for people who aren't in our positions to understand, but I think one of the, biggest comparisons I can probably make is, right, we always talk about how as adults, it's hard to make friends because it takes so much energy and we have our yep. lives and you have to plan. And now imagine trying to catch up and try to establish Decades. a family Decades. relationship yep. with someone yep. that you haven't known. Yep. Did you find with your siblings that you had commonality? You know, there's always that yeah. nature-nurture conversation. There's There's little bits and pieces, but yeah, yeah. Like my bro in in Pennsylvania, we're both football heads, soccer guys. So we did you know the World Cup this past uh, winter. We were nonstop back and forth. We had, we had, we had to pull out of the sibling group chat because I was just like, guys, honestly, like okay, let's, <laughs> it's too much. This is a one on one thing. <laughs> <laughs> Are any of your siblings BIPOC? Because you no, identify that way, so they're all of not. your siblings are white. Correct. Okay, has that been? Any com part of this journey for you? Has that brought up anything? A little. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, that, that same one that I mentioned, Pennsylvania, he, you know, we talked about it a little bit. He was, you know, he was just kind of curious. He's like, how, how does this make you feel? I'm like, well, I don't, I don't feel bad or anything, but it's, it's an obvious thing when we're together and when we're like little heads on a, on a screen that I kind of stick out. And some people claim that we all have similar features and sometimes I see it and sometimes I don't because it's, it's just this glaring thing where like I'm the brown face <laughs> that doesn't yeah. really look like anybody else. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, you know, what it has done is just kind of by chance back in whenever that was 2021, like I'm not even on Facebook anymore. But at that point, I'd found the We Are Donor Conceived group. And by chance found this amazing person that was looking 
for other people of color that might be donor conceived. And for a while, I think it was just the two of us. And then we found a few more and then they're like, maybe we should start our own little thing. And I'm like, I think we should absolutely start our own little thing. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, we did. Because of, yeah, it is, it is a, a different journey and that otherness, even within your own sibling group. Yep. Yep. So that led to the creation of the, uh, yeah, through, through donor conceived community, we started our uh, BIPOC DCP group and that's been wonderful. Like they are, they are fam. It, it's, it's, it's just weird with all like the, post during and wherever we are now and in the pandemic these things they blend together right and they continue sure and so these people that i don't personally know but much like yourself like we're we're hanging and we're building a relationship like that group like they are tight family like they i i really really care for those people because they've been they've been there for me and i've been there for them through a lot of things and yeah and we'll be sure to add the link to these resources in the show yeah, notes. Yeah, yeah. DonorConceivedCommunity.org. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. There, there's lots of groups. That just, that one just happened to be the one that that spoke to me and us and that we kind of built. And it's been fun to see it grow. I mean, for a long time, it was it was a tight-knit crew of like, you know, three or four people. And, and it's still not that big, as you can probably imagine, for a number of reasons. But it's doubled. So, like, like we pop up now with, like, eight, nine, ten people. It's just like, oh, look at all these people. <laughs> But to go from feeling like there's no one who understands yeah. you to even if it's a dozen people, even if it's one other person, it yep. helps. It definitely helps. It's huge because now because because now we're not just talking about like all the DCP stuff. We're talking about race. We're talking about class and how those intersect and yeah. And stuff. So this is a beautiful segue because when you reached out to me, one of the things that you really wanted to talk about was this eugenics component, oh, this political component to donor conception. And I would love to give you, you know, some space to talk yeah, about that. Because go quickly. honestly, before you, you before you reached out to me, I honestly, I'm learning so much about donor conception and the sure. infertility industry since my DNA surprise. And I'm sure a lot of people that are listening are not familiar with some of the things that you're about to share. So yeah. can you share more about this? Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, the, the simplest way to put it is you can't talk about the fertility industry without talking about eugenics and white supremacy. It's baked in. And I don't mean to apply like, oh, Eric thinks everybody there is a racist. I didn't say that. What I'm yeah. saying is historically, the institution itself is based in these things, much like the the United States or I'll pick on my mom's country of Brazil. These are colonial states based in white supremacy, indigenous genocide, and African slavery, right? Mm -hmm. That's a fact. You can't deny those things. And to that point, we can jump into these things. So this is, this is a little, I'm going to try and go chronologically here. And I'll actually start by, you, you gave me a great setup already, Alexis, because you already said it, nature versus nurture. You said yeah. it. And we say it all the time. I've been we guilty do. of saying it. It's like, I'm in the psych department. Like they, people throw it around all the time. Do you have any idea where that comes from? Oh, no, but I think I'm about to regret saying it. It's gross. It? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to talk about a lot of shitty people. So this is from a man named Sir Francis Galton. I don't know if you know that name, 1822, 1912. So Galton, really his biggest claim to fame is that he rode the coattails of his older cousin, a guy named Charles Darwin. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we Darwin, yeah. we do know him. And and Darwin himself, 
Not great when it comes to race either. A racist for sure. He get he gets a little bit better towards the end. But back to his little cousin here, Galton. So he is considered like the father of eugenics. Like he it kind of existed, but he gave it a name and kind of proselytized it and like took it out to the world or whatever. Nature versus nurture is his thing coins that he also starts this idea of it's kind of funny because he calls it social darwinism even though his cousin is doing nothing with it <laughs> he just uses his name like i said he's, he's just riding his coattails riding the coattails yeah completely and you can imagine what that is he, he's basically leading to scientific racism this is the guy that eventually comes up with the idea that african people have smaller brains because they have smaller heads and deserve to be oppressed like mm-hmm. this is his whole thing and 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 he believes in that strict hierarchy as you can imagine like with darwinism social Dar- darwinism eugenics he wants like the perfect beings and obviously none of those are going to be anybody that looks like you or i alexis right. mm-hmm. <laughs> here's a quote this this is him and it's, it's full of double negative because it's like you know, 19th century English guy talking, but I think he'll pick it up. So he says, quote, there exists a sentiment for the most part, quite unreasonable against the gradual extinction of an inferior race. So he's basically saying genocide's cool. Yeah. That's, 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 that's your nature versus nurture. (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to strike that from my vocabulary. I I don't think you have to strike it. It's just, you got to be conscious of it too. Cause I, I, it's important to know where these things come from. <laughs> and, and and that's the difficult thing, right? Is that a lot of our foundations are, of everything, honestly, yep. start from that place. And then they evolve not to play on Darwin right there. But, you know, it does change. All right, keep yep. going. So the next one I got is is Davenport. You know, Do you know the name Charles Davenport? I don't know that name, no. So he's, he's from the U.S. He's 1866 to 1944. And... Your, your listeners are probably like, oh, Eric's going to talk about the Nazis. It's like, you know what? I, I'm going to briefly mention the Nazis just because it's so easy. Like, I'm giving you all the buildup, basically, to what, what what gets to that point. Um, So this dude loved him some Galton. Like, he read, absorbed everything. Like, you know, disciple. But his big thing, again, from the U.S., this is directly tied to you and I, any way that identifies as BIPOC and whatever respect that may be. He was, every, everything about his being was against miscegenation. Absolutely opposed in every single way to ethnocultural race mixing. That was his mantra. He, he actually called it a biological problem. That's what, those are quotes. And he lobbied Congress in 1924 for the Immigration Act, which actually, this ties into, you'll, you'll remember like a number of Jewish folks that were turned away during, mm-hmm. like before the actual, like, things were starting to get heated up. Like that was a part of that act. So like he passed that actual thing to like prevent anybody that wasn't basically a wasp of entering mm-hmm. the country. And I put in here, he could have been, he could have been pushed aside to history and we, we wouldn't even know the name if it weren't for another extremely famous racist that threw lots and lots of money at him. A guy by the name of Andrew Carnegie. Know fully funded. Name. Yeah. Fully funded by Andrew Carnegie. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, 
So this kind of leads into like, he starts getting into communication too with the Third Reich. He actually becomes the editor of a German journal in 1935. I'll just leave that there. He had no issues with whatever they were doing. I put in here just in, around this time, 1884. This is, the, this is where the first artificial insemination actually happens. No consent, of course, from the, I think it was a Quaker actually, yeah, Quaker wife. And then we can fast forward, but the, the, the first frozen situation happened in the 50s in Iowa, which is, I, I only bring that up because like I got fam in Iowa. I was conceived in Nebraska, <laughs> like these, like yeah. the worlds start to combine. Yeah, it yeah. all kind of comes together. And if, it, it was livestock, right? It was it was a dude that had worked with bulls and like protecting and and shipping like his bull semen. It was just like, you know what? I think I can do this with people. And then the scientists are like, these guys, a lot of these descendants, of these these genesis are like, we should look into that. Brewer, we don't talk too much about him. He 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 attempted to be cool with it and like say, no, no, eugenics and socialism can work. And because he was still like a white guy and pretty racist, it just didn't. And then right. we get to Mengele finally. That that's a name that probably you know a lot of people know. Joseph Mengele, 1911, 1979. Liebensborn project with the Nazis, with the fascists, like that was his baby, you know, I think enough said there. And this one's kind of personal to me because he, he ends up in, in South America in the Southern Cone. He ends up in Argentina and Brazil. he actually dies in Brazil, uh, a free man. Um, and, he, and at this whole time, he's still performing like terrible experiments on native folks, on on black folks i mean he's doing horrible horrible things and, yeah. I, and i and 53 was the first frozen I, I did put it in here and i just brought it in here just to say in, in terms of like the, the lack of diversity within the industry which is kind of where this is kind of leading to and this is 2000s this is already old data they're talking about 70 percent of the population being european 80 percent donors 12 percent black only five percent donors of black or african descent 12 percent latino only two percent donors latinx and then asian four percent of the population and actually a little bit higher eight percent of donors which again 20 20 some years old these numbers have probably fluctuated a little bit but it's it's a good indication of of how unequal and inaccessible a lot of options are especially for people of color regardless of you know, how you identify what your sexual orientation is. Like, it's, it's really hard. Like my mom didn't have an option, no option whatsoever back then. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was, yeah. She pretty much only could choose a, a white donor, which mm -hmm. if they wanted to mirror your father, I suppose right. that, that worked. They so, would have anyway. Yeah. Yeah. With the knowledge that you have, I mean, you've, you've dived deep into the history of, you know, how we got here with assisted reproduction. What are your feelings on donor conception? <laughs> Personally, like you try to take it another hour here, girl. <laughs> I know, no, I know, I know it's broad, but like personally, is that, is it something that you support for yourself, for friends, for family? If somebody came to you and said, I'm thinking about using donor gammy, what is your personal stance on that? Yeah, you know, because I have so many so many friends in the LGBTQ plus community, like I'm absolutely going to support them. Of course, like they they have just as much as right as, as anyone to be parents, and they're probably better parents than most heteronormative couples, frankly. So of course, it just needs to be done in the correct manner. You know, look for a known 
known donor open situation, like baseline, like that, that should happen, right? No more of this anonymity bullshit. Like that's like the main thing I think we're trying to eradicate right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, there's other things as well. And, and, and to be somewhat fair, I don't want to be too harsh on the industry. Things have evolved and they have done some good stuff. You know, the, a lot has changed in f- four decades. Is it enough? Not even close. There's tons of work still yet to be done. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not, if you're, if, you're, if you're asking, do I want to end gamete donation? I I don't think so. Like that, I, I don't think that really, again, going back to what I said previously, that that's, that's going to, that's going to directly affect people that want to have fa- a family for legitimate reasons. And they may not be able to do it in traditional means. And, and that's not fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I just like to ask the question to people who are donor conceived because I think I mean, your voices hard. matter the most, it's, right? It's your hard. voices matter the most in this situation. Yeah. I actually um, read a piece like I, I, I was I, I used an article last semester of I, I don't have it off the top of my head, but like the, his whole thesis was just like we need to end the entire industry and and cut this out. I'm just like, and and there are parts of it. There there was some actually really good logic in there. I was like, okay. But you're not thinking about what we just talked about. Like this, this is if if this were to happen, there's going to be a bigger seismic impact that you're not seeing. Yeah, yeah. Where would you say you are now, just overall, on how you feel about yourself, your journey? How are you emotionally and mentally? <laughs> oh man, I mean, I I feel generally good. I do. I, I feel complete I'm, I'm glad that i can be out and open because i wasn't for for a certain amount of time and and you know what it was meeting my siblings in person changed so much because they're so cool and so wonderful and i'm so proud to have them in my life i mean when i watch my my she's my mom so i call her she's the chia when i watch her with my kids and i get to see the love there and the bonding and just like i'm not going to keep that a secret that's that's beautiful and that's wonderful so that has been a gift. I think I think what's hard is is still dealing with my parents, specifically my mom, and trying to get her more just in in out of the matrix and in the real world. It's it's tough. Yeah. It's like an, it's an ongoing battle. I think she'll get there, and 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 I hope I hope we can get past it and and get back to a semblance of the way the relationship was before, you know, it may never be the same again, but we can do better than this. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that for you. I hope that for you. Just life is weird and you got to be ready for it. (laughs) As as, as soon as you think like identity is, is fascinating. And, and, you know, if if you would have asked me five years ago that I'm going to like start a counseling program and I'm going to become a therapist. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? I don't have any interest in any of that. I'm a, I'm a musician. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I talk football. I do all these other things. I have no interest in that at all. I like five years later, my entire world is like flipped on its head. <laughs> that's, so, that's the truth. That yeah, so be ready, truth. be ready for the, the psychological judo. Cause you're probably going to need it regardless if there's a DNA surprise or not. But if there is one, you're absolutely going to need it. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. What advice do you have for parents Mm. who may be keeping a DNA surprise such as donor conception from their child? You got to tell. Absolutely tell. Age appropriate, earlier the better. You know, my, my Iowa sister, I think was 
got it got it the best she she learned when she was a toddler three years old that's the time i would have taken 18 you know we're, we're, we're passing a lot of legislation right now we're moving a lot of interesting things throughout the country and 18 seems to be kind of the the focus and the key and i think that's fine i mean again i still think earlier is better but i would have loved 18 if there's not a there's not a perfect time you know what i'm saying right but f- finding out in your late 30s into your 40s and 50s it's it's the impact hits so much harder and it's still gonna suck at 18 i mean you're still you're you're, you're you know you got one foot in childhood and one foot in adulthood it's not gonna be easy but again like no time is easy so tell the children young you know get, get the language moving when they're toddlers in grade school whenever it is so it's not that big of a deal normalize it yeah. you know i i can only speak to what we're doing now with the relationship with with iowa in particular is just like we talk about her as as the chia you know what i'm saying she's she's a part of the family she's fully integrated we're already planning the next trip kids can't wait this is how it is that's awesome thank you <laughs> and what advice do you have for your fellow dcp who maybe just found out through oh, a dna test that their daughter yeah. conceived that's so important, Alexis. Thank you. You please reach out. Reach out to me. Reach out to the the We Are Donor Conceive. Reach out to Donor Conceive Community. Reach out to uh, Donor Conceive Council. Just just reach out. Don't stay isolated. It, it, you know, I I did it for three years for my own reasons, and <laughs> you know, I can look back and say I probably shouldn't have waited that long, but I'm glad I found my people. But just be. Re- just be cognizant that your people are out there and, and everybody's ready and willing to embrace you. So find us. We're here. We're here for you. That's amazing. Eric, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you, thank you for being so vulnerable to share your oh, journey and sure. also to educate the listeners um, who maybe didn't know about some of the origins of reproductive assistance and i'll ongoing think more isn't carefully. it <laughs> i will think more carefully the next time i say nature versus nurture that's for <laughs> sure but no thank you so much i wish you the best and i hope Likewise. That, i really do hope that things get better and better with your parents thank you i appreciate that that's kind of you no i just wanted to mention that it, it's it's super important the work that you are doing also alexis with your podcast and all the other podcasts and in like the broader mpe community because in in terms of like i was like i said before of of not feeling isolated and feeling uh, a part of community you do that your program does that you are doing that so thank you to you thanks again to eric for sharing his story if you have a dna surprise story that you'd like to share please submit your story at dna surprises podcast.com until next time